Hello, this is Jake Watkins. I'm the Young Adults Pastor at Cross City Christian Church, and welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk inspires you and encourages you into anchoring the love and power of Jesus into your daily life. Enjoy the message. is honestly pretty pretty crazy and and when I started this series a few weeks ago I talked about what kind of spurred this on and it was a conversation I had with my grandparents and it's like pretty much the same conversation I've been having with them for years it's somehow like grandparents always the the the, the whole conversation it just kind of always ends up back at the same place which is the world's gone mad have you seen the news? The world is crazy. And with my wife and I having our daughter, you know, their whole thing is like, man, how are you going to raise your girl in this crazy world? I'm like, ah, you guys have been saying that for years. But I'm honestly really starting to see it. <laughs> I'm starting to see that the world really has gone crazy. It really feels like it's going mad. And I think one of the biggest culprits uh, uh, for this, a reason why we probably see that the world is, is crazy, why we see it's going mad, it, it, it's a little more prevalent because of these things in our pockets, right? You got your phones, and they just tell you the most shocking, depressing news like 24-7, okay? This is depression in your pocket. And, and, and it just, it really does, anytime you take out my phone, it's like another mass shooting, another murder, another homicide, another suicide. I mean, I mean, it's constant all the time, this circle of just like crazy things happening in the world. In fact, I feel like I can't get away from it. I went to the gym and I, I walk into the gym and on the news, this is what the headline was. It was, uh, Germany says that they will send tanks to the Ukraine if other nations also send tanks. I was like, that's a weird thing. It's like, what? They're, they're acting like this is like ordering fries at dinner with your friends. Like, hey, do you want some fries? Here, I'll order some fries. Are you going to have some fries? If I order fries, are you going to eat some fries? You're going to eat some fries, right? If I order some fries, you're going to eat some fries? Are you going you gonna to have some fries too? If I order fries, are you going to have That's what Germany, it's like, hey, if we send tanks, will you send tanks? If, we, if I send a couple tanks, are you going you gonna to send some tanks too? Because I'm not going to send some tanks if like, nobody else is going to send tanks, right? I mean, it's a, that's a crazy world we live in. Tanks have turned into a fries conversation. I mean, it's honestly insane. And in a world that's gone mad and crazy, what we need to do more than ever is hold on to peace. And Jesus, in John chapter 16, verse 33, says that peace is a gift we have been given. And that peace, if you remember, we talked about that peace is peace with God and the peace of God. And, and through Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross, we now have peace with God in a way that we didn't before. We're no, no longer at odds with God. We have peace with God. And, and then because we have this peace with God, we have the peace of God, which means he now calls us as sons and daughters. And when he calls us sons and daughters, that means we're adopted into the family of Christ that God is now for us. He's championing us. He's leading us. He is for us. 
And, 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 in, and in, in that, we can have peace. And this inner peace is built on this foundation of trust and right living, following God's commands and where he leads us and trusting him in all things. And we can have this inner peace, this, this calm assurance that what God is doing is best. And, and, and trust me when I say that this peace will get you through the hardest times in your life. In fact, tapping into this peace, holding on to this peace, trusting in God is probably the best decision that you can make, especially in a world that's gone mad. And this peace, Jesus, he calls it a gift, but he specifically calls it this, a gift the world cannot give. And so if that means that the world cannot give it, then the world does not have it. And because Jesus knows that the world does not have it, and he's given it to you, here's what he wants you to do. He wants you to share this peace. You have a peace. He's given it to you. It's a gift the world doesn't have. The world doesn't have this peace. The world's going crazy. He's given you this gift, and he doesn't want you to just hoard it. This is what you want. he wants you to do with it. He wants you to share it. He wants you to be what he calls a peacemaker. In other words, in a world where there's no peace, make it. In a world where there's no peace, make peace. And I think many uh, of you, when, when you think about making peace in the world, I think it's hard for you to imagine doing that because honestly, uh, most, of it, most of us in this room don't have the platform. And most of us probably won't have that type of platform when we think about making peace. Uh, we think of, uh, uh, you know, being a, a UN ambassador. Uh, uh, we think about being a, a president or a, a massive celebrity who's going who's gonna to do with this message, this campaign of peace. Yet, you are still called to be a peacemaker. You don't have the platform, but Jesus is calling you to be a peacemaker. And I'm not talking about the HBO show Peacemaker, okay? I'm talking about Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, Peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Here's your first fill-in. Peacemaking is part of your purpose. Peacemaking is part of your purpose. Peacemaking is not the job of presidents, of diplomats, of lawyers, of of politicians, or prime ministers, or Nobel Peace Prize winners, or John Cena. Peace is part of your purpose. It's your job. It's something that God is calling you to as a child of God. And I think we become really complacent as Christians to let other people handle peace. Oh, it's someone else's responsibility. It's someone else's duty. But no, no, no. Jesus says that peacemaking is part of your purpose. And here's where I think we miss it. Here's where I think we miss it. We're too focused on the big picture when we should be focused on our immediate surroundings. When it comes to peace and making peace in the world, I think you and I get too focused on the big picture when we should be focused on our immediate surroundings. And, and really, you aren't going to change the world and bring peace from the outside in. Even if you had the platform, people have been trying to do it for years. The people with the platform have been pushing for peace for generations. Has it happened? No. Because peace doesn't come from the outside in. It comes from the inside out. 
That means this, that your inner peace should overflow into relational peace. Your inner peace should overflow into relational peace. God is calling you to be a peacemaker, not on a national stage, not in international meetings, but in your homes, in your workplaces, and in your friendships. Now, when it comes to peacemaking, I think some of us in our personal relationships, we haven't been peacemakers. I think a lot of us have actually been peace breakers. <laughs> we haven't been peacemakers, we've been peace breakers. And there's been many of us that have been trying to tap into personal peace, but, but we haven't been tapping into the interpersonal peace. We, we've been trying to tap into the peace of Jesus, but we haven't been tapping into the interpersonal peace of Jesus. What that looks like is that your relationships with like family members are strained. Maybe your relationships with your friendships are strained. Maybe you don't even have the same circle of friends as you did last year because your, your circle of friends is constantly changing. And you know what you say? You say, well, uh, I, I, I can't have relational peace because there's like, there's always so much drama. And drama just kind of just seems to follow me wherever I go. And I just can't keep friends because like, they're just, there's just so much drama, there's so much thing, there's so much hurt, and drama just follows me. And, and if you were honest, maybe, and like took a second to look in the mirror, you would realize that the drama isn't following you, the drama is you. Because you're not a peacemaker, you're a peace breaker. And see, you can't hold on to peace for long because you're always being interrupted by the drama of relationships. And sometimes you're the person who's causing that. Or, 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 maybe you're not about the drama at all. Like you, like drama for you is like at the bottom of your list. You don't like participating in it. You don't like being around it. You don't like talking about it. You don't even watch The Bachelor because you don't like the drama. It's like on the bottom of your list. So what happens for you, for you, is that when drama happens in your friendships and your relationships, it, it, what you do is at the first sight of it, the first sight of trouble, at the first sight of hurt, as soon as somebody breaks your trust, you just cut it off. Done. They're dead to me. They're dead to me. And you're like, I have peace. I'm making peace and I'm just cutting them off. I don't need that drama. No, 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 no. You're not being a, a peacemaker. You're just burying it. You're just, you're, just, you're just burying your problems and you're calling it peace. It's not, you're not a peacemaker. You're a peace faker. You're faking peace. That's what you're doing, okay? That, that's what you're doing. And, and, and what's happening is, is that when it comes to your relationships, in your families, in your friendships, in your workplace, Jesus says you're not to be a peace breaker. You're not to be a peace faker. You're to be a peacemaker. Why? Why? No, seriously, why? I mean, when you think about why do we need to be peacemakers? I mean, when, when others don't deserve for you to, to bring peace to the relationship, why do you need to try? Why, why should you be the one to step out and to make peace with all the peace breakers in your life? Why, why should you be the peacemaker when you could just be a peace faker? You could just sweep it under the rug and those people who've hurt you, you never have to talk to again because they've caused drama and they've caused trauma and you could just forget they even exist. Why would you want to be a peacemaker? Here's why. It's really simple. I think you'll remember it. Because God said so. Literally, because God said so. It, it should be that simple. In fact, Psalm 34, 14, he says this, turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. This isn't a suggestion, it's a command. 
Why should we be a peacemaker? Why should we seek peace? Why? Because God said so. That should be enough of a reason for us. I should be able to end the message here, uh, but because I said so, or because God said so, it's never a good enough answer for us, right? I mean, you think about it when you're a kid, and you're like, oh, mom, I want to do that, and they're like, no, and you're like, don't way. and they're like, because I said so. Do you just go like, oh, okay, it's because they said so. No, you're like, why, but why, but why? And they're like, because I said so. It was never a good enough answer for us before, right? That was never a good enough reason. God knows that about us. And so uh, God knows us well enough to give us some other reasons. And so that's what we're going to be talking about this week. That's what we're going to be talking about. This message is actually split up into two parts. It's all about peacemaking. How do we be peacemakers? And this week, we're going to talk about why. Next week, we're going to talk about the how. And I think it was important to split it up. Why and how. And so we're talking about why. And number one is this. The first reason is this. Being a peacemaker benefits you. Being a peacemaker benefits you. Look, we wouldn't be human if we didn't ask, well, how does this help me? Well, what does this do for me? God knows that about us, okay? So he lets you know that you are going to benefit from being a peacemaker. Here's what it says in James chapter 3, verse 18. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. And those who are what? Say it with me. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of what? Peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. When it comes to your relationships, what have you been planting? When it comes to your relationships, what have you been planting? I, I think a lot of us aren't feeling peace because we don't have peace in our relationships. Because you and I have been breaking it or we're faking it or, or people have been breaking it or faking it with us. And, and what's happening is we're planting the wrong seeds. Many of us are holding grudges. We're holding on to our hurt. And instead of facing the problems and coming at it with peace, a lot of us have, have chosen to plant those seeds. And here's what happens, is the, the hurt you have, the mistrust that you have because someone close to you b betrayed your trust, the, the anger, the resentment, the, the damage that something that maybe you caused, uh, instead of facing it, trying to make peace, you have buried it because in the moment, it's way easier to do that. Instead of facing it, you've chosen to bury it because it's easier. But what you don't realize is that when you plant something, when you bury it, you're planting it and it grows. And what grows is a direct result of what you've planted. See, because you've planted seeds of mistrust, because you've chosen not to face it, you've planted these seeds of mistrust, you know what you're reaping? You know what you're harvesting later? Mistrust. That's what you start to harvest in your relationships and in your life. And because you didn't make peace with someone who betrayed your trust, you've now grown distrust. It's affecting your other relationships because you're harvesting and you're reaping distrust in your life. Because you've planted seeds of anger, you start to harvest anger. Because you didn't make peace, you've sown seeds of anxiety, and later you start to harvest what you planted, and you have an overgrowth of anxiety. 
But when we seek to make peace with those who've hurt us, those we've hurt maybe, we plant seeds of peace. And trust me, trust me, it is easier in the moment to be a peace breaker or a peace faker. It is way easier in the moment to be a breaker or a faker. And it's because you have to face the problem. It's so much easier to sweep it under the rug, but you end up paying for it down the line because what was easy to sow hurts to reap. What was easy to sow in the moment in your life, it hurts to reap later. But those who make peace reap peace. The, the, the how of peacemaking that we're going to be talking about next week, it takes a lot of patience. It takes humility. It takes dying to self. But you will see the benefits in your life and in your relationships when you choose to be a peacemaker. And here's the thing. You may not see the harvest right away. You may be just, it's hard. You're planting seeds of peace in your life. You're, you're facing the hard stuff. You're having the hard conversations. You're apologizing maybe when you need to apologize. You're, you're, you're having the hard talks. And what you're doing is you're planting these seeds of peace, but you're not seeing the harvest and you're wondering where. God, you promised. You, you may not see the harvest right away. My father-in-law he is a farmer. They farm pistachios. They own a pistachio farm. And my uh, grandfather-in-law, McKenna's grandpa, he started the farm, the pistachio farm. And, and Brian, my father-in-law, has told me many times the story of how Ron, grandpa, how he started it. And, and he took out a loan. He bought the land. And for seven years, seven years, he planted the seeds of pistachios. He watered it. He cared for the land. In that seven years, there is no harvest. That's how pistachios grow. It is seven years of hard work and nothing in return. Grandpa Ron was toiling in the land for seven years, getting no money for it, living off this loan he took out. For seven years, he worked and worked and worked. He never saw a harvest for seven years. And then it's on that eighth year, he starts to reap what he had sown. And for seven years, he had sown hard work. And on the eighth year, he reaped the benefits. See, if you can just trust God, if you can just follow his example of being a peacemaker, I promise you, it may not be tomorrow, but you will see a return on your investment when you reap the rewarding harvest. Because not only, look, not only will you have the inner peace that Jesus has given you, but when you sow peace and you reap the harvest, you will have relational peace that surrounds you. It won't just be this inner peace that you have, but you will have a peace that surrounds you because of the relationships that you've built through being a peacemaker. And not only does being a peacemaker benefit you, but here's the second thing it does. Being a peacemaker is pleasing to God. Being a peacemaker is pleasing to God. John chapter 14, verse 15, he says, this is Jesus talking, he says this from his mouth, if you love me, keep my commands. If you love me, keep my commands. 
If we want to say that we love God, here's the direct tie made by Jesus himself. If you want to say that you love God, then loving him means keeping his commands. And so if we read Psalm 34 verse 14 again, and it says, turn away from evil and do good, seek peace and pursue it. When we follow that command of seeking peace, being peacemakers, we prove to God through our actions that we love him and that in turn pleases him. If we take it a step deeper, I want you to read this next verse with me. It's in Romans chapter uh, 14, verse 17 through 19. It says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification or mutual benefit. Let me ask you, do you, do you think God likes the mayhem and the chaos and the hurt and the division in the world? I mean, do you really think that God looks at the world and he's like happy when he sees that? No. <laughs> he wants peace. I mean, it's important to him. I mean, it's so important that it says the kingdom of God is all about peace and joy. You know what it says it's not about? He says it's not a matter of eating and drinking. You know what it's saying there? It's saying to God, peace is more important than food. I don't know about you, but not many things on my list are more important than food to me, okay? I left my house at 10 p.m. last night because I wanted some Ben and Jerry's. I left my wife and my daughter and my dogs at home. You know why? Because food was important to me. God says, look, in the kingdom of God, I know how much you all love food, but in the kingdom of God, you know what's more important than that, than the things you love? Peace. It's important to him. And see, when, when it's important to him, like this, he says it, it's, it's in, the kingdom of God is about righteousness, peace, and joy. When you are a peacemaker and you make peace, this is what happens. The kingdom is about peace. And you are a peacemaker and you make peace. You are literally bringing the kingdom of God to earth here now. You are making the world look more like the kingdom of God when you bring peace and are a peacemaker. You are literally bringing heaven to earth, and that pleases God. Trust me when I say he wants to see more peace in the world, and here's how he's chosen to show his peace and bring peace to the world. He's chosen you and I. The vessel that he's chosen, when he looks at the world and he sees a crazy, mad world that needs peace, he says, I'm going to bring peace. How am I going to do it? How am I going to get the kingdom of God from here to there? He looks at you and I, and he's chosen you and I to be a vessel of his peace. We are that which peace is delivered. We are purposefully chosen and called where we're at in our relationships here now to be peacemakers. Why? Because point number three being a peacemaker points people to Jesus. Being a peacemaker points people to Jesus. Read with me Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, 
no one will see the Lord. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See, living in peace, real peace, being a peacemaker, it connects you to holiness. There's a reason why peace and holiness are in the same sentence. In the same breath, peace and holiness happen. Because when you are a peacemaker, when you bring peace, it is directly tied to holiness. And it's through holiness, it's through peace that people will see Jesus. This is how Jesus chooses to reveal himself to the world. It's through you. It's why we're called to be ambassadors of Christ. We represent him through our actions. See, holiness through peace, it's such a foreign concept to the world that when, when, you, when, you, when you start doing it, when you start making peace, it will automatically set you apart. And that's why in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called, what? Children of God. Being a peacemaker doesn't make you a child of God. Okay? Jesus makes you a child of God. Being a peacemaker doesn't make you a child of God. This is what it does. It identifies you as a child of God. Making peace is such a a shocking act that it actually reveals Jesus to the people around you. That's how big of a deal it is. I mean, I I read this absolutely mind-blowing story of peace a few years ago, and it stuck with me, and and you might remember it. But in in 2019, uh, Amber Geiger, a Dallas police officer, she was sentenced to prison for killing an innocent man. I don't know if you remember the story, but uh, she testified in court. She said this, this is from an article, it says, Geiger testified in the trial that after parking her car on the fourth floor, one level above her apartment, she noticed that the door of what she thought was her own apartment, her own unit, was ajar. So she drew her service weapon. When she opened the door and saw 26-year-old Botham Jean, an accountant from the Caribbean island of St. Lucia, she shot to kill, fearing for her life after seeing the silhouette of a man she mistook for an intruder. She's a cop, just got off duty, she's coming home, parks on the wrong floor, goes to what she thinks is her apartment, it's actually the apartment above hers, she sees that the door's open, she draws her gun, she walks in, she sees Botham, and she thinks he's an intruder, and she shoots and kills him. I tell you, after that happened, it, it, it was all over the news. And some things came out in her trial that she had made some racist comments to, to her African-American uh, 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 co-workers. And, and she had said some things. She had posted some things. I mean, it was getting really, really ugly. They, they said that race was a, a huge thing involved in it. And, 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 and there was a lot of going back on both sides. And the prosecution wanted to get her 26 years minimum for this, but what she got was sentenced to 10 years in prison. So she got sentenced to 10 10 years. And and a few minutes after the sentence was handed out, the victim's brother, an 18-year-old named Brant Jean, he stepped to the witness stand to deliver what was called a victim impact statement. And it's at the end of a trial where victims or, or, or family of the, of the victim, they get to come up and they get to share how this, this incident, this, this death, this murder, it, how it affected their lives. And so Brant, the, the brother of, of, of Botham, he comes up to the stand 
I can only imagine what he's feeling in this moment. I mean, you think about something, this, uh, this event that was talked about on the news repeatedly. There's all this talk and divisiveness about what happened. He sat through the whole trial. His brother's dead. They wanted to give him 26 years. She only got 10. And he's sitting there looking at his brother's murder. And this is what he said. Verbatim. He looked at her. He said, I love you as a person, and I don't wish anything bad on you. If you are truly sorry, I know I can speak for myself, I forgive you. And I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. I I was not going to ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you because I know that's exactly what Botham would want you to do. And the best would be to give your life to Jesus. And after saying this, he asked permission from the judge to stand up and give Geiger a hug. And the judge shocked the courtroom by agreeing and the two embrace. And then the, the judge, after uh, comforting Jean's family, uh, she, she spoke briefly to Geiger, then she left the room, and then the judge returned to the room with a Bible. And she gave it to her, and she opened it to John 3.16, saying, you just need a tiny mustard seed of faith. Just start with this. That interaction was plastered everywhere on every news station. It was talked about on every podcast and talk show for days. The fact fact that somebody would extend peace in that matter to your your brother's murderer, that he would extend peace and say, I love you. I don't even want you to go to jail. I want what's best for you, and what's best for you is Jesus. And I'm just extending this peace. I'm forgiving you. Why? Because he knew that Jesus had forgiven him, and he knew that Jesus can forgive her too. See, you can tell people all about God's peace until you're blue in your face. But until you show it with your actions— you'll never have a greater impact. See, when you become a true peacemaker, someone who communicates, someone who forgives, who seeks forgiveness, you point people to Jesus. Because the reason we're able to make peace is because God made peace with us through his son Jesus. Through him we have peace with God. That's why we should be peacemakers, because Jesus was a peacemaker. And you show the world the peace of Jesus when you extend the peace of Jesus in every one of your relationships. I promise you, if you become a peacemaker and you start sowing peace, you will reap a harvest of peace in your life. Brant, he had a choice. When he got on that stand, is he going to be angry? Is he going to be bitter? Is he going to sow seeds of resentment that he will reap for years later? Or is he going to choose peace? My friends, you got the same choice. Let that inner peace that Jesus gave you, let it overflow in your relationships. Amen? Let's pray. God, we just thank you for the amazing example that you are. We thank you for the opportunity to be here, to experience your peace no matter what we're going through in life. And God, I pray when the hard situations hit us that we could be peacemakers. 
in our relationships that we would be peacemakers. God, that with the peace breakers and the peace fakers that we would be peacemakers. God, God, you've shown us what peace is. And so, Lord, I pray that we can be an extension of that peace. Why? Because you did the same for us. God, we just thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning into AnchorCast. I pray that you take this word and that Jesus transforms your life in ways you never thought possible. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. And of course, follow us on social media at Anchor Nights to stay up to date with all of our events, meetings, and uploads. Thanks again for listening and may God bless you. Thank you.